Hello, left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. Now you can literally find a location to put your drilling rig. You're going to drill down vertically 8,000 to 12,000 feet, two to three miles below the surface. Then you're going to go 90 degree angle sideways with your drill bit, and you're going to drill one to two miles out horizontally. So you might cover 1,280 acres, two square miles in a rectangular pattern, and you may drill a well that goes down two miles, out two miles, but you only have a three acre footprint or pad site. So everybody in that 1,280 acres shares in the minerals, in the reserves, in the oil and gas. You don't have to win the lottery ticket. You just have to be inside those squares. Since you are here listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're investing with a group of people. Whether you're investing with family or friends or like-minded people in the left field investors community, group investing is a strategy that can get you into more deals, help you diversify, and go beyond what you can achieve by yourself. Before TribeVest came along, it was difficult to overcome all the hurdles associated with group investing. It was basically a strategy reserved for the wealthy. Not anymore. Now, TribeVest helps your group with everything from incorporation, collaboration, banking, and equity management tools all in a single place, so you can focus on building wealth with the people you know, like, and trust. I'm using TribeVest for all five, now six, of my investor tribes. It's a game changer. Check them out at TribeVest.com. are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast, powered by TribeVest. The mission of Left Field Investors is to build a community of like-minded individuals interested in creating financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. In this podcast, Jim Piper will interview passive investors, syndicators, and others who will share their journey with a focus on helping the passive real estate investor learn and become part of the Left Field community. This is Ryan Murdoch from Open Door Capital, and you are listening to Passive Investing from Left Field. I'm really excited today to have Troy Eckerd with us. He is the CEO of Eckerd Enterprises, a family-owned and operated alternative investment firm specializing in the U.S. oil and gas industry. Troy is also the host of a Mineral Talk with the Texan podcast. Troy, welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so the way we usually start out, Troy, is I'd like to hear your journey. How'd you get into oil and gas, and how'd you get to where you're the CEO of your own company? If you can just kind of tell us your journey, that's the way we like to start it out. Yeah, I can make it simple, but in 1985, I was going to college studying economics and finance, and I had a stepbrother who had a small investment firm in Dallas where there was a big push for high net worth investors with high income looking to drill oil and gas wells for tax advantages. And so I was convinced to finish my college at University of Texas, Dallas. So I moved to Dallas, started working in the financial sector, got my license and did that for about three years with my stepbrother's company. Being an entrepreneur at heart, I quickly realized I wanted to work for myself. So I ended up starting my own investment company called Eckerd Investment Services. And then in 1995, I started my own oil company because I wanted to control the product. If I'm going to sell something, I want to know that I own it, invest in it, and that I'm going to control the outcome. And so starting in 1995, I started 
raising capital for my own ventures. And that's covered everything from pipeline investments, minerals, saltwater wells, drilling ventures, and real estate programs, et cetera. So I've been doing this for almost 38 years. Wow. So you've done it all in the oil and gas industry, right? But now you're concentrating on mineral rights? Yeah. So the mineral or the oil and gas market is much like real estate. You have some investors and some entrepreneurs who want to be in the raw land development, and they're going to go out and kind of look at a forward look at what the land could be. Well, that's kind of the expiration. That's shooting seismic, it's acquiring data, hiring geologists, geophysicists. So you're way out front, but your reward, like land development, can be three, four, five, 10x, depending on what you pay for it, how you develop it. Then you get into the production side. So in real estate, that might be the developer, the guy that's going to put the Target or the Walmart or the Chick-fil-A on it. And they're actually spending capital to develop the land or develop the minerals that have been acquired. And that has a lower degree of risk. But again, you're still exposed to a tremendous amount of capital. And so as you go down the line, just like in real estate, everybody has their role in that play. But the one thing that was available, but not really in a commercial investment grade kind of opportunity was to actually be the mineral because I wasn't a third generation Oklahoman. I wasn't born into a rich family in Texas. And so when you think about minerals, they're usually tied to large ranches and farms and large landholders. Well, when the shale revolution across the U.S. became more of a commercial grade opportunity, it opened up about, I don't know, three or 400 million acres that now contain tremendous amount of oil and gas. And these owners of the mineral rights didn't realize what the value is. They also recognized it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to maybe sell off part of their mineral rights, still keep the surface rights, but they can now create a half million, million, $5 million worth of sale of mineral rights that allowed them to pay off their ranch, pay off their debt and set their families up forever. So that all opened up in about 2010, and really the private sector didn't get a chance to bite at that apple till about 2016 because private equity and Wall Street were doing all the buying in the early stages. Once their plate was full, they realized there's no way we can eat everything on this buffet. It's a trillion-dollar industry. So that gave a perfect wind of opportunity for somebody like myself who's very good at working with high-net-worth clients looking at arbitrage opportunities, being able to assemble a team. And now I can compete head to head with major companies in the mineral space where I couldn't in the exploration space. Let's start from the beginning. There's mineral rights, surface rights. What are mineral rights? What are surface rights? Are there other kind of rights? And what minerals are we talking about? So the United States is one of the only countries in the world that allows you to have three rights when you buy a piece of real estate back 150 years ago. One is When you got your 640-acre stake in the ground and you were given a land grant, over time, they realized that you had the right to the surface, everything attached to the ground. You had air rights, everything above your property, but not tied to the ground. And you had the rights to everything that was dealing with natural resources below the ground. So we're the only country in the world that lets you separate or partition those three rights. You can actually have three owners over the same piece of property. And what has happened is, is that As a result of looking at mineral rights, people realize, well, it could be precious metals, silver, gold, copper, traditional mining. It could be other natural resources that are specified in in particular categories beyond just the normal precious metals, such as uranium, et cetera. And then there's the traditional oil and gas. So when we buy mineral rights, we own all of it. We own all the natural resources below the ground, below the surface. But in certain areas, you're more prominently going to find oil and gas or precious metals or different precious products, et cetera, as natural resources. So in our case, we only focus on the oil and gas value when we buy minerals. 
But that doesn't mean we don't have the right to anything else that may be discovered later on. We own it all the way from the surface, all the way to the core of the earth. There are minerals to be developed if we can find the right person to do the developing. And so if you don't own the surface, how do you get underneath the surface? Every state wants their natural resources developed. So what they will do is they put in their own legal precedents the ability for a mineral owner to be able to access the surface to develop those minerals. So there's laws in place, preceding case law in place that says, if we need to go drill a well, the landowner cannot deny you ingress and egress, and they cannot deny you the right to develop those minerals. So you'll have to pay for that right away, pay for that ingress, egress. In order not to be held hostage, they've got preceding values. Like in this county, for this many 60-foot wide road, you're going to pay $1,000 per linear foot, so they can't hold you hostage and try to charge you some ridiculous rate. But today's expiration is completely different than it has been in the last 100 years. Now you can literally find a location to put your drilling rig. You're going to drill down vertically 8,000 to 12,000 feet, two to three miles below the surface. Then you're going to go 90-degree angle sideways with your drill bit, and you're going to drill one to two miles out horizontally. So you might cover 1,280 acres, two square miles in a rectangular pattern, and you may drill a well that goes down two miles, out two miles, but you only have a three-acre footprint or pad site. So everybody in that 1,280 acres shares in the minerals, in the reserves, in the oil and gas. You don't have to win the lottery ticket. You just have to be inside those squares. Surface owner can't stop you. You have the right for development, minimal footprint and major billion-dollar oil companies are doing all the spending, all the capital exposure, all the liability, and you as a mineral owner, you get your percentage in the form of a royalty, and you never pay a dime. Once you own the mineral, they lease it from you, they assume all liability, you get a check every single month for every drop of oil and every molecule of gas produced from now till forever. It's the most passive investment in the United States. So you don't do any development, you're not digging wells, you're just trying to find where there might be minerals, and then you're buying those mineral rights, and then you figure out how to access it. You're very close. I'll give it to you in a real estate term. It's like a triple net lease, but even better. Even with a triple net lease, I still have tenants moving in and out, and I still have, there are some costs and liability associated with it. As a mineral owner, the way the lease documents are written between the mineral owner and the oil company, it literally says, I'm Chevron. Troy, I'm going to lease your 1,280 acres to go drill a horizontal well. We're going to pay you a lease off, a lease fee up front for three years to lease your property. We have the full right of development. And if we drill a well in the three years, we then have the right for all future development, whatever zone it is, however deep it is, doesn't matter, however expensive the well is. We get to produce it, operate it, manage it. We take 100% of the cost. And then Troy, depending on how sophisticated of a mineral owner I am, will be able to negotiate a royalty percentage. It's usually between 125 to 25% that the mineral owner retains without any obligation with zero capital costs and zero liability. So Chevron drills the well, they put it online six months from now, it's making a million dollars a month. I'm gonna get 125,000 to a quarter million dollars for that month as my share of royalty. And all I pay is 1099 ordinary income tax on it, that's it. So I basically have wells producing. And so when your comment about, we kind of figure out where the oil is, we don't figure out anything. What we do is use modern tech, technology that is now available online that wasn't available five, six years ago to find out who has the leases, who's drilling the wells, how good the wells are, run it through our engineering program, and we are able to dissect entire 40 million acre basins to determine where's the best probability for the highest amount of oil and gas with the best oil company with the most economic value. 
it's completely been a game changer the last five or six years. So what is the lag time then from, let's say you buy some mineral rights and you negotiate a deal with a production company. How long does it take before you're, they're digging oil and putting money in your pocket? In our program here at Eckerd, we only buy producing minerals at the time we acquire them. So in other words, we know it already has income being generated from day one when we decide to buy it. So what we've done is avoid the subjectivity of timing of development. We don't want to buy an a mineral acre that doesn't have a well on it, doesn't have a permit, doesn't have activity on it because we don't control the oil company. So we've fine-tuned our model to be specifically looking for minerals that are already generating income. We then have a very proprietary methodology that we go by that tells us, okay, Troy, you're looking at five mineral tracks. Let's just assume they're all the same price. Which track is the one that's most appealing? Well, it's the track number two because the well that was drilled on there was the best performer out of the five. And if I'm the oil company that had those five tracks, I'm likely to drill a second, third, fourth, fifth well next to the mineral lease that produced the most oil, had the most success. But what better yet is we're able to look and see that that oil company has actually filed four permits. And that permit then rotates into an application, then a permit, then a drilling. So from our timing element, to answer your question specifically, because we buy producing properties, Our revenue starts being dispersed within 180 days from the time you write a check because we already have income the day we close, but it takes about three to four months to file your document in the courthouse, send the recorded ownership to the oil company, that's the lessee. They run it through their land department, their accounting department. They finally send us our check. First check will normally be for three months worth of revenue to catch you up, and then it's every 30 days thereafter. So no matter what happens to oil prices, We're not subject to bankruptcy. We're not subject to any kind of withholding. So no matter what happens to that oil company, they must pay us every single month for the gas, the oil, the natural gas liquids for whatever wells are on our minerals. So the good thing is we get lots of upside, minimal downside, but we get paid before anybody else gets paid because in our lease document, we have absolutely zero liability. If they file bankruptcy, the lien holders are going to file against the oil company for their share of revenue, because ours is absolutely exempt from any kind of liability or retention. And why does an owner of mineral rights, why do they sell it when it's producing? And presumably they know the value of it, so it's affordable. You know what I mean? How do you, how are you making money if you're, I guess I just don't understand why someone would sell an already producing well or mineral rights to it. It has to do with the old adage, you have an investment that's making you $1,000 a month, so that's $12,000 a year. And you think you can get 8,000 year two and 7,000 year three and 4,000 year five. So all collectively over the next seven to 10 years, maybe you make $75,000. Or I go sell that 40 acres for $10,000 an acre based on the current income. And I get $400,000 today versus $70,000 over seven years. So what most sellers will do is say, look, I've had it in my family 100 years. I don't want to sell it all. I'll sell you half. I'll sell you 20 of my 40 acres for 200000 They make the 200000 a day. It's double what they would have made by holding revenue. They pay off their tractor, their farm, their kid's college, put their mother in a nursing home. They still own half. And as a result, the landowners have figured out this is a great way to monetize their portfolio. We just closed a week ago four brothers that are in their 70s. The minerals have been in their family for over 100 years. They've been getting revenue for almost 90 years off these minerals. They know it has a tremendous amount of oil and gas. But they said, what we want to do is we want to clear up our estate. We don't want our kids trying to fight over who's going to lease and revenue. 
We're going to sell it, split it four ways, put cash in the account, and the kids can live on the money. We think this is the best thing to do. So it was a very rare opportunity, but we closed on it. It was a $70 million transaction, but it was four 75-year-old, 76-year-old brothers. And that's kind of how you find the minerals. On the flip side, back seven, eight, 10 years ago, before horizontal drilling took place, many of these areas didn't even have a well on it. So oil company A, seven, eight, 10 years ago, drilled a well. That mineral owner started off with really good revenue because it's like shaking up a three liter Coke. It comes out real hard, high volumes in the first couple of years. And as the well comes down, so I might've been making $100,000 a month as a mineral owner. And by the time I get four or five years out, now it's down to two or $3,000. They are not sophisticated. They don't understand the energy business, but what they know is their check dropped from 100,000 to two or $3,000. So we know because of the trend and a macro overview that that particular mineral track is probably gonna end up with 12 wells over the next three to five years drilled on it, but they don't have the time, they don't have the comprehension. So we go out and offer them based on the metrics that we have, hey, we're gonna offer you $9,500 per acre. You're gonna sell us part of your acreage. You're gonna put three, four, some of these guys get one, two, five million dollars at a time in the bank. That's a big number to somebody who's been farming or ranching their whole life or somebody who's already made all their money back going, wow, I don't know how long it'd ever take to get this money. We buy it because we know that when those four new wells get online, we're going to make somewhere between 20 and 30% return on our money. And we probably have another five, 10, 15 wells that'll be drilled. So we know we have 25 to 50 years of economic life, zero costs, zero expenses, zero holding costs, and a check every 30 days. It's the only investment of its kind in the country. Hey, left fielders, this is Julian McClurkin. When I'm not on the court with the Harlem Globetrotters, I'm the chief storyteller for Tribe Vest. Now, you might be thinking, why would Tribe Vest hire a Globetrotter? <laughs> well, through my travels around the world, I've met so many amazing people and heard their incredible stories. And it's no different at Tribe Vest. My job is to share the stories of people investing together as a group, as a tribe. Tribe Vest allows groups to pool their capital, set up their LLCs and bank accounts, help with operating agreements, funding rounds, and so much more. Whether you're investing with other dads from your kid's preschool class or getting into real estate syndications with people around the country like LFI infielder Brian Pawnell, TribeVest helps them all make it happen. If you want to hear more about stories about TribeVest's customers, just check out TribeVest's YouTube channel. And if you're already ready to start investing as a group, head on over to TribeVest.com today. Hi, left fielders. I'm Matt Pacheni. My journey from actor to full-time investor and operator of thousands of apartment units has taught me a lot about what goes on behind the scenes of a deal. I'm here to share my insider's knowledge of passive investing with you, helping you make informed decisions about how to invest your hard-earned cash, put your money to work where it can make a positive impact, and write your own story. Head on over to Pacheni.com where you can book a free strategy session with me to learn more about my approach to real estate investing. That's P-I-C-H-E-N-Y dot com. Who are your competitors in oil and gas companies buying these up themselves? Why are they letting you buy them and, and leasing them to them? It's a great question. And some oil companies do buy their own minerals, but oil and gas is a lot like real estate. So a guy who's going to get financing, get, get equity partners to go do raw land development, very clear, he doesn't go vertical. He doesn't build the apartment, doesn't build the shopping center. He entitles it, makes his profit, he sells to the next guy. The next guy buys it as commercial property. First guy bought it per acre. Second guy buys it per square foot. Last guy buys it on a cap rate and how much income because it's now got tenants in it. So oil companies, the oil industry is broken into three sectors. You have upstream, 
which means anybody that is in the stream of the oil and gas process that starts from the very time seismic was shot until the oil and gas comes out of the wellhead. That's called upstream. Midstream is anything that has to do with processing or transportation. So connecting a gathering line to the well in the field, picking up the oil at the tank, transportation, processing, that's all midstream. And then when you finally get down to refineries, that's called downstream, where they process it, turn it into natural gas, diesel, plastic, and we end up buying it as a consumer. So when you look at the three elements of oil and gas, the guys that are in exploration, their money, their financing, their entire equity uh, stock holdings are based on, hey, we're a drilling company, we drill. When they get really robust revenue like they're seeing today, and they know there's not any more drilling rigs to deploy, we're capped out. Now they're coming back saying, okay, we don't have any other way to spend this record earnings. So now they're actually going out trying to buy their own minerals to increase their position. But our competitors really are private equity back, PE back, mineral managers, guys who think they know what they're doing. They'll go out and talk to somebody like NCAP or NGP, Natural Gas Partners, and say, hey, look, we're smart guys. We think we can buy a billion dollars worth of minerals and do it right. Natural Gas Partners says, okay, we'll give you $400 million. Here's your box you have to play in. Here's the economic parameters. Go do it. We just left a conference two days ago, which was in Houston, which was all the so-called big boys in, in minerals. And some of these guys are talking about, hey, we raised $200 million from private equity in the last three years, put it to work, and now we kind of tapped out. We're just waiting to see the cash and everything monetized. Well, my company this year will have over $250 million in 2022 worth of mineral acquisitions this year. We're, we have put together more money than major private equity-backed groups because our track record has been so good and our methodology is a very unique methodology. But the main thing I wanted to point out is our competitors are people who have high net worth family offices private equity, or maybe a few public companies, and they all are tied to the same problem, cost of capital. They're all tied to the same problem, which is economic parameters set on major discounts to value. So they have a box, but it's pretty tight what they can play in. We're a different breed. And do you ever sell your mineral rights? Or is this like a buy and hold forever? And if, if you do sell, is that the investor cash out? Is there an upside to these investments or is it purely cash flow? No, this is a unique opportunity. So the way I would say it is, depending on your personal situation, probably 70% of our partners have the intention on buying and not reselling. These are assets you can own for, you can literally pass them on to your kids and your kids can't screw it up. All they're going to do is get a check every month. The only way they can screw it up is if they go take drugs or jump off a bridge with it, right? But they're not, they don't have any decisions to make. They don't have any bills to pay. They don't have any taxes that they owe. They just have to get their checks 12 times a year and then file their 1099 and not, you know, have tax evasion. So it makes it a great asset to put into an estate, makes it a great asset to pass on to your heirs. But from the standpoint of liquidation, our strategy has always been based on what we call AML, aggregation, maturation, liquidation. We aggregate all these small mineral blocks, put them into portfolios. We let them mature over three to five years because the wells come online, they generate revenue. They have established cash flow, plus they now have proven reserves in the ground. So we let them maturate, which increases the value and then we have a choice. Do we liquidate? Typically, we're looking at a five-year liquidation consideration. And that consideration is based on current tax laws, what the capital gains are, where else can we go and make 19%, 20% of our money, et cetera, et cetera. If somebody has to sell, we do have means by which you can sell those minerals. In fact, we already have the number one engineering firm in Oklahoma that represents our, our business that can help us evaluate those minerals and get them sold. We have a number of outlets. I would be willing to bet because of how our clients have been seeing their revenue increase month after month, I'm going to find very few partners who want to sell, even in a robust market, 
because they love that cash flow. All they got to do is not get a, a paper cut when they open up the envelope every month because that's all they've got to do. And the smart ones have ACH bank wire deposit. They don't even open an envelope. And I know I'm being a little funny, but it's, it's serious. I have investors who are doubters. They were like, I don't know if this is going to work. I mean, this sounds crazy. It's a new market. And now I get texted every day. It's distribution time, the 25th of the month. And Troy, you've changed my portfolio. You've changed my life. I want to do a 1031 into it. And it really has been a mixture of perfect timing in the market. Minerals became more acceptable to private investors in a perfect plan that I put together because I've been doing this for 37 years. And because of that experience, with timing, we've created a, a beautiful scenario for our investors. And right now we're sitting at about a thousand high net worth partners as clients. Two years ago, we had 120. So we've grown eightfold in the last 24 months as far as investing partners. And how long are these opportunities going to last? Is this sustainable going forward? Is this the new way it's going to be? I mean, are these, are these long-term investments going to pay off? Yeah, I, I would say that if you asked me this a week ago, I would say we're probably getting near the end as far as getting what I consider to be very good minerals at a very good price because a lot of new players showed up because of the the robust earnings from the higher commodity price. You know, you get six, seven dollar natural gas and ninety hundred dollar oil, you're gonna attract the attention. Even if they're told by their money source, we don't want you investing in fossil fuels, they go, sure, but we're gonna hold our nose and do it anyway because it's got better returns. But two days ago in Houston, what we heard from most of these larger players is that inflation is killing their capital because they can go out and buy these older seven year old wells they're going to make 6 or 7% return on those older wells, but their bank debt is now 8 to 10%. And if inflation's 10%, they got to be targeting closer to 15 to 20% or their bank's not going to approve their loan, their line of credit's going to be shrunk, and they can't even generate enough cash flow to cover the servicing of the debt. So in this big conference on Tuesday, we sat there for 12 hours, listened to all these so-called big boys up there saying, last quarter this year, we don't have any money to spend. Banks have given us all they can. New debt, new lines of credit, new private equity terms are going to now be based on at least a 10% cost of debt and capital. Plus, we have to offset inflation by 8 to 10%. So most of us are not going to be able to play in the market next year. We're only going to be able to use cash flow to buy new minerals. Otherwise, we cannot tap new sources. Well, Eckerd is an all-cash buyer. Between us and our clients, we pay cash for everything. We have no debt. We have no taskmaster we have to answer to. So five months ago, I might have had 10 people competing against me for minerals. Right now, I have maybe two. And the reason why it works so well for us is because we're willing to buy a 10-acre track, a 40-acre track, a 7-acre track, and we're doing 500 to 1,000 acres a month. These bigger players, they're like feeding a lion. They don't need chicken wings. They need a whole side of beef. So they don't look at five, six, eight, ten 10 acres. We have hired the three top land companies in Oklahoma we spend about half a million dollars a month in landmen who are going to the courthouse, finding Susie, the third generation granddaughter of Mr. Smith, who now lives in Seattle, who owns the rights. She doesn't even know she owns it. We'll call on the phone with our land team and say, Mrs. Smith, you're the granddaughter of Johnny Smith and you own 100 acres of minerals in Oklahoma. And her, her first thing is, I do? Yeah, you do. Well, what do you want? Well, we want to buy them from you. Well, okay. Well, how much are they worth? Based on 100 acres where you're at, it's worth 10,000 acre. We know you own it. We can close and wire you the money in seven days for a million dollars. Are you a seller? Hell yeah, I'm a seller. How fast can you get the paperwork here? So we made a lot of very wealthy people over the last three years. So there's multiple ways we get it, but it is, you've got to think, it's now covering 30 states in the country, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Dakota, Wyoming. You've got all these states with thousands and thousands of mineral owners who own surface, didn't know they owned the minerals. And even if they know they owned it, they had no idea there's only gas under it because the rig is two miles away, drilling two and a half miles under the ground. They don't have a clue. So we're very fair and we're very conscious 
of making sure the seller knows what we're doing. We don't have to trick them out of their investment because Susie, in my example, might have said, you know, my granddad said never to sell it. Can I sell you 20 of the 100 acres? Sure you can. And when you get ready to sell the rest of it, come back to us again. And we do this a lot where a guy might sell 50 acres of 300 because he's got to put his 82-year-old mother in a nursing home. He says, I'm only selling it because I don't have the money to put her in a nursing home. But I want to keep the rest. We're okay with that. The bigger private equity back guys don't want to hear it. They want it all or nothing. So I don't mind eating squirrel as long as it's tasty. (laughs) How does the ESG, which is environmental, social, governmental for the listeners, how does that movement and kind of the anti-oil and gas sentiment that's going around affect mineral rights? Every single thing you just described is music to my ears. Everything Biden does when he opens his pie hole, he gives us another five or $10 a barrel in value. Everything they're doing to constrict future development, muddy the water, confuse the market, is causing all these oil companies not to go build 100 new drilling rigs. They're not out buying new equipment. They're not out buying new pipe. They're basically only operating off of cash flow. So GSC, the Green Deal, all the endowments pulling back all their money saying, we don't want our money spent on fossil fuels. What they've done starting in late 2019, and then it was put on steroids because of COVID, they essentially said, we're going to starve the industry of money. Obama tried to kill the industry for horizontal drilling by cutting off water. We need a lot of water to frack the wells. So Obama put the EPA out there to try to grab rights on a federal level to every single tributary and dry bed creek across the country. President Trump unwound that when he took office. So what the current administration and their environmental nutcases on the left decided is, well, we can't stop them with EPA. Let's go ahead and choke off the capital. Let's put all these regulations in banking, private equity, carbon footprint disclosures, GSC, and let's make these pressures so great on anti-fossil fuel investing, it'll choke off the industry. And it worked for about two years. What they weren't expecting was oil to go to $129 a barrel after Russia invaded Ukraine. So now the oil companies have record cash flow, basically making up for 2020 and 21's cre- cremation where they got totally decimated. Now they're making record profits, but they're making it out of their own cash flow. And these CEOs of Chevron and Exxon said, we're not going to go any faster than our cash flow. There's no more rigs to deploy. All of our rigs are gone. We haven't made any new rigs or equipment in five or 10 years. So what we have is we have a capital supply withdrawal and we have a supply chain dismantling. This country is locked in at about 12 million barrels a day and we're stuck. In fact, it's going, we're, we're dropping production, not going up, which means as a 20 million barrel a day user, we're only making less than 12 million barrels a day. We have 8 million barrels net requirement from imported oil. But even if you add demand destruction and we stop, have a recession that really drives away a lot of demand, you could lose 2 million barrels a day and still be 6 to 7 million barrels short. OPEC did us another favor a week ago. They cut back 2 million barrels a day. So between OPEC dropping 2 million barrels, between the strategic petroleum reserves being sucked dry by 245 million barrels, that stops in 10 days, and Russia dropping over a million barrels a day in output, we're going to be 4 to 5 million barrels a day globally less than we were 30 days ago. That's 4 to 5% less oil in the market. You should see oil at $125 a barrel by Christmas. And so especially in this environment, what's the risk to owning min- mineral rights? I mean, it sounds like there, there isn't a whole lot, but there must be oil and gas is boom or bust, right? So what's the risk here? The risk is, is the sharks. Oil and gas minerals are so easy for a crook or a promoter or a Ponzi scheme to run. They sit there and tell you, hey, you're in the Anadarko Basin in Oklahoma and you can buy anywhere. The wells have a 99% success ratio and it's $30,000 an acre. 
He didn't tell you that you're the gristle on a T-bone. You're on the outer edge. Nobody's going to drill it anytime soon. Probably has some oil and gas in it. It technically is in the Anadarko Basin, but you won't see any revenue coming from that mineral for 50 years because no one's going to drill without the infrastructure. They need roads and pipelines and saltwater wells infrastructure. And I've seen multiple Ponzi schemes and multiple people ripped off investing in minerals where they were told they were in a certain basin, but you're so far away, you can't even smell gas, much less be having gas come out of your minerals. So the biggest risk to minerals is number one, buying it for the wrong person at the wrong price, you'll never make money. Number two is an outright Ponzi scheme. There's lots of those in minerals that go around. And the third thing is the only way to make real money in minerals, it requires activation. If I've got 50 million barrels of oil in place under the minerals I own, I got to have somebody go drill it. And I got to have that company have enough money to drill the second, the third, the fourth, the 10th well. And I got to have that company competent enough not to drill it cutting corners and drilling it half-assed. I need them to drill it to the best of their ability. So I need activation with the right operator, with the right amount of capital that ensures I'm going to have 8, 10, 12 wells poked in the ground that's going to make me three, four, five times my money and my cash flow should be 15 to 30% cash on cash return. The way we set our system up, we're 74 portfolios in. We're cash flowing across all portfolios, over 19.1% return cash on cash to date over four years. And realistically, that is probably going to be in excess of 25% cash on cash and returns across all portfolios by probably May of next year, just based on all the new wells we're putting online. We have 1,509 wells, zero dry holes. We're in 640,000 gross acres. I'm not giving you stats to sell anybody. I'm telling you, we cover enormous pathway in the Oklahoma Anadarko Basin. So because of that, we really, really know best operators, best rock, best place, fastest production. And that's allowed us just to get better and better. I always believe in that philosophy. Be a jack of all trades is a failure. You got to be an expert at one thing. Focus, focus, focus. So that brings us to, we're typically real estate investors and investing in syndication. So we vet the operators and we kind of have some processes to figure out, okay, yeah, this is one we want to invest in and maybe not this one. So how does a passive investor, like someone in the left field investor community, how do we vet you as an operator or anybody in this space, a mineral rights owner? How do we vet the operator and make sure that we're in with, you know, not a Ponzi scheme, but with someone who knows what they're doing? Well, first off, I'm the only sponsor out there, including your real estate sponsors, the only sponsor I know of. I invite every one of my clients to an annual conference. I put 500 to 1,000 people in a room and say, you have three days to talk to every one of my employees and every partner that I have, good, bad, small, tall, rich, not so rich, and ask any question you want. As my older client used to say, he said, Troy, you're either the dumbest guy we met and we're going to hang you like a pinata in three days and beat your stuffings out, or you're the smartest guy we know because we're going to believe and know you're the most honest guy and we're going to invest with you forever, which has been the case. So the one thing is you can look up any records or files in Oklahoma. You'll see Eckerd Land and Acquisition filed in 967 sections. Number two, we spent about $2 million of my money investing in the most advanced online application or app that allows you to get on, put in your password. You can see every track, every well, all the production. It's scraped from the tax office, the production office. It'll tell you what every one of the wells on every mineral track you have is doing. You can then compare that to your revenue check when you get it 90 days later when the oil has been sold and the checks come through. All of the deeds are filed. We manage it for you for free. You can then take those deeds that we have and you can verify it in the courthouse. So it's just like a traditional real estate venture. But I would say it's even more disclosed than a traditional real estate venture because 
I can't show you what's under the ground, but I can take you to the courthouse. I can take you to ownership. I can show you the deeds. I can take you and stand at the gate and show you all the wells that Exxon or Chevron or Oxy or Continental has drilled. And the other thing is, I'm probably the most transparent, blunt guy you'll ever meet in your life. I don't have that great a memory. So for me, I just tell it like it is. You either love me or you hate me. And I am extremely focused on education and information. Most of my clients' biggest complaints is, my God, you do like four videos a day, 15 educational videos a week. And you have dinners and conversations and meetings. He goes, there's not a single thing I have to ask that you're not already on top of in advance. Why do I do that? Because the way Ponzi schemes and crooks work is they're always good about talking up front. And once you write the check, you never hear from them again because they don't know how to lie and cover up that bad mistake. I'm the most advanced, educational, front-running person you're ever going to meet in your life, which why my voice sounds like this most of the time, because I'm straining it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So- Explain again, if someone invests in one of your wells, they own that, is it a fund or they own a piece of it with somebody else or do they own actual square footage under the ground in the mineral rights? I can give it to you very simple. So think about it this way. We're going out looking at 40 million prime mineral acres in the Anadarko Basin in Oklahoma. Because the way Oklahoma set it up, they do everything under what's called force pooling, which means they've broken the whole state up into square miles, 640 acres. If there's a well in Section 32 in this township, I don't have to be the lucky mineral acre. I just need to have a acre or acres inside of that 640-acre square mile, and I get my percentage or my share. So what we do is we go to the specific areas that we know we want to buy in. We might buy 10 acres from John Smith and 20 acres from Tammy Johnson, two different owners in the same square mile. And we may do that across 60 or 70 sections of land covering. 400 square miles of area that we want to be interested in. We take those different blocks, seven acres, 10 acres, 20 acres from different sections. We put it into a portfolio. We give you an exhibit that tells you all the different tracks, all the deeds, the wells are in at the opera. We give you all the details and we say, this is a $5 million mineral portfolio. We're offering it at twenty-five dollars or $50,000 investment. Your investment becomes the numerator. The denominator is the total gross acres. So let's just use simple math. If I put up $500,000 of that $5 million portfolio, I own 10% of every mineral and every track across the board. What happens then is that we get checks in from the oil company for each one of those wells and each one of those tracks. And then we have an ownership deck that says, okay, we've got 10 partners at 10% apiece, $500,000 investment across 5 million acres. Each check, each block, each well is then mathematically calculated through our accounting software. The way we manage it is, in my case, we're spending as a company 20 to $30 million in inventory that we have built up. We will select that inventory, out of that inventory, the right blocks of minerals to get us to our economic goal. Our goal is to make 10% minimum per year over five years. Right now, we're averaging closer to almost 20% return. So we're crushing and beating our own financial model. But we hold the minerals in title of Eckerd land But your purchase sale agreement says they're your minerals. Eckerd's only managing it for us because you guys wouldn't be able to figure out how to make sure your minerals are paying in the right percentage. If you get tired of my voice or my ugly face 30 days now, you say, Troy, I just don't like you anymore. Can you assign out my minerals? Absolutely. Let me assign out your fractional piece of each one of those mineral tracks out of that portfolio. We'll assign it to you. 60 days later, 90 days later, the oil company recognizes Eckerd Land is no longer getting the check. Now it goes to Tom Smith directly and you'll get your direct checks direct from the oil company. So we manage for free because I've got to process that gross check to get mine and the other partners out. So we don't charge for management. We charge an upfront fee one time. When you buy it, you're buying it at the price we set it. 
we typically, 99% of the time, we've already gone out ahead of you and bought 30 plus million dollars worth of minerals. So you got to think of it. What, what sponsor do you know in real estate or any other asset class buys the asset before they broker it to you? Basically, they got to have your money to close on that apartment, your money to close on that self-storage. So they're getting your money, making a fee, have virtually no risk in it. They got a backside. They make a management fee. And so you're saying, well, how do I know that real estate guy is not lying to me? Well, he may not be lying to you, but he has a hell of a reason to stretch the truth or stretch it because if he doesn't get it sold, he doesn't make a living. I'm different. Clients will say, well, Troy, what if I don't invest this month? I don't care. I've already paid for the 30 million. If you don't want it, I'm going to keep it anyway. I don't care. So it's a great relationship that I have a thousand high net worth, high income partners made up of engineers, lawyers, doctors, oil and gas geologists. That's who my client base is. And they put me to the test by saying, is he creating an inventory that is tier one, top notch? Because if not, we just bypass it. Well, Troy's already spent his money. I already own it. So that's how we work. And how is this taxed? Is this just, it comes to us 1099 and it's taxed ordinary income? Everybody that's in a, a conservative state gets taxed less than they are in a liberal state. I'm just joking with you, but I had to throw that in. Actually, it's very simple. You're going to get 12 distributions a year, one per month for all your wells, all your minerals. goes out of our office the 25th. At the end of the year, we're going to give you 1099, ordinary income. So it's 1099 taxable income. But the IRS lets us take a 15% depletion allowance, which means I'm only paying taxes on 85% of my income. That gives you an increased IRR. That gives you an increased value. And they do it because they know you're depleting your reservoir. So what we do is, you know, if I make a million dollars this year, I'm only paying tax on 850000 And then what we do here at Eckerd as more of a service than anything, we find drilling opportunities in the areas we're buying minerals. In a lot of cases, in the exact same minerals that we own, we'll actually participate in the wells with that oil company because we've already determined that's the oil company we want to be under. And if there's any interest that's available, we'll drill it. So this year, I'm thinking we'll do like close to $40 million in drilling. And the clients who have the high income who've invested in the mineral says, I'd like to participate in drilling to offset my taxable income from my practice, my, you know, my banking business, my manufacturing. And also I just made a million dollars in income off the minerals this year. I don't want to pay all those taxes. So I'll invest some more back in drilling. So we offer that more as an ancillary service than we do as anything we really promote. Okay. And then what's the minimum investment? Every portfolio has a minimum of $25,000 investment, but I'm going to be blunt with you and your audience. If you're not going to be willing to put in at least a couple hundred thousand dollars, you're trying to spit on a fire because the way it works is, is if you look at one rent house, it's going to be 200 to $400,000 for rent house, one tenant, one income. You buy an eight plex, 12 plex, it's a million, million five. In our view, we want you to be diversified. So if I bought in portfolio A, it might have 20 sections of land and 40 wells. That's great. They're all very low risk. But I'd rather you be in portfolio A, B, C, D, and E. Now you might have 80 to 150 starting wells, but you have the ability, like buying a pen of pregnant rabbits, that 100, 150 wells will probably end up being three or 400 wells over the next five or 10 years. So it diversifies you in geology, diversifies you in operators, it diversifies you in well, it diversifies you in timing as far as activation, and it gives you a length and a broad base of portfolio to maximize your returns and minimize your exposure. Now, again, we got 1,500 something wells, zero dry holes. I'm not worried about hitting a well, but most of our older portfolios, let's say that are, let's call them that were funded by the end of 2021. Most of those portfolios are averaging 25 to as much as 60% return. The only reason why our average return is 19.1% is we've done 250 million this year. So our denominator exploded on the amount of capital and the top line is not caught up yet 
because those wells and revenues haven't come through yet. But even with that being the scenario, we're still at 19% return. If I knocked off the last $100 million of our, our portfolios we fund in the last 90 days, we're probably close to 25 to 30% return cash on cash. I've never had so much fun in my life as I'm having right now. No complaints, no dry holes. All people are complaining about is, my God, you're making me so much money. I got a new tax problem. That's what I want to make you mad at. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being mad at that either. That's great. So the last question I always ask is, what's a great podcast that you listen to and you cannot name the Mineral Talk with the Texan because that's going in the show notes anyways. What's another podcast you like to listen to? I'm not a big podcast guy. I like watching podcasts when I drive to my house in Colorado, but it's usually about murder mysteries because I like to learn the human character, right? I got to tell you, what I like about podcasts is I like podcasts with people who are off the cuff and blunt. I have listened to a lot of podcasts, and what I don't like is the podcasts that I listen to and most of them that I hear always seem to be tainted toward the product that the podcast provider is giving. I've got a second podcast you're probably not even familiar with. It's called Talk with the Texan Money and Life. And Talk with the Texan Money and Life, I'm just talking about real issues like why do so many millionaires commit suicide? Why do entrepreneurs find themselves in, in depression? It's because they're isolated. Why do macro creative thinkers find themselves totally lonely in a room full of people because they're already seeing the next building they're building and the doorknobs and the paint color and the grass growing. And the other person saying, you shouldn't put a hotel in that piece of space. So what I've learned about wealthy investors and what I've learned about podcasts, I've learned about all these different so-called financial gurus is they all have click words. They're all very well spoken, but in reality, very few have substance. And I'm more of a cut the crap kind of guy. Just tell me like it is. I always tell people, look, if I walk in my doctor and he gives me that funny look, I'm gonna go, yeah, what's the problem? Am I dying? If I am, I need to know how bad, when, what's it going to look like? How much pain am I going to be in? How many days do I have run left? Don't pussyfoot around. Tell me like it is. And I think that's kind of inherent with my personality. So if I find a podcaster that's blunt and raw, yeah, maybe talks a little bit tougher than, than I want to hear. But at the end of the day, I just want raw data. So I don't have somebody I really follow at this point. But for me, I like exactly what you and I are doing right now. You represent a group of people that you've built a lot of trust with. You're trying to get people on your show that really have substance and true meaning what they're doing. And you're going to say, here it is unabashed. Make your own decision. But I'm trying to get the right people to be exposed to. And then you'll have to make your own decision. I think it's fantastic you're doing this. A lot of people invite me on. They have a directive or an agenda where they're going. And I don't like that. I just call a spade a spade. That's why I have you. <laughs> well said. How can listeners get in touch with you if they're interested? Well, if I don't lose my voice, you'd have to use my sign language. But right now, you <laughs> it's been like this for about a month. I, I keep saying it's a COVID leftover. Look, we're very easy to find. It's EckerdEnterprises.com is our website. We have four wealth managers who are salaried employees. It doesn't matter what they sell or volume. They're here to answer your question. You can invest in your self-directed IRA. You can invest in 1031 tax exchanges. You can invest with your ordinary income or investment account. But our wealth managers are trained to help you figure out what you want to do with your money. Are you more focused on income, more focused on growth? How do you want to spread your portfolio? So you can contact us on EckerdEnterprise.com. You can always call me on my cell phone, 469-422-1781. I am probably the most proactive and most available ready CEO you're ever going to meet. Why? I know what my job is. My investors are my bank. You're not going to invest if you don't trust me. You're not going to keep investing if I don't perform. And you want to talk to the guy that's going to manage your money. So I probably talk to 40, 50 partners a day. Most of them become very good friends. I get texts on weekends and nighttime and Mother's Day. And I'll say, it's Mother's Day. They go, well, you're not my mother, so I'm calling you. I said, great. 
So I want to do business with people that I like because I'm the same way. I'm calling people at three in the morning. My wife says, you can't do this. Well, if he picks up the phone, I guess I can. So just know you can reach me at T. Eckerd, Eckerd Enterprises, EckerdEnterprises.com or the cell number I just gave you. And just, I mean, I'll put a wealth manager with you that's going to be patient. There's not pressure. We already own it. We want to earn your business by giving you the evidence and the questions and answers you need. And then you're in the driver's seat. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you want to start a portfolio, we're here to help you. Awesome. That is a great place to end it. Thank you so much for your time. This is very enlightening and interesting. We, we appreciate you being on the show. Anytime. And thanks for having me, my friend. You have a very good Thanksgiving to all your listeners. Thanks so much. But I will leave you with this. The fraud's coming out. I'm seeing a lot of deals where people are pushing 15 to 22% returns. There's no way in a down market, in multiple markets, you can actually have better returns than last year. And that's called desperation. They need to pay the rent. They need fees. They need to generate. And I'm telling you right now, this is when the scalping of investors begins is in a down market because why? Everybody realizes they're getting unemployed, can't make fees, can't make commissions. So juice up the story and sucker in those who are not walking very carefully through that sharded glass and laying on the ground waiting. Just be careful. Have a great holiday. And thanks for having me on. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. That was definitely interesting. A lot of information in there. Uh, some of the things that, that I got out of talking with Troy, I think I kind of knew some of the rights. I didn't realize there were surface rights, air rights, and then resource rights below the ground to any property in the U.S. So you can sell off those rights. I remember Matt Pacheni talked about his air rights in New York City that he sold off. And now um, you can sell off the mineral rights underneath. So it's just interesting to, to know that those options are available and that the way that they're finding a lot of these uh, mineral rights is by talking to people who might own smaller parcels where the big boys aren't so interested or someone who doesn't even know that they have these rights. And so when they find out they can make a million bucks, it makes it much easier to sell. And he also mentioned this is like a triple net lease, but better. It really does sound like there is not much that you have to pay for, if anything, as an owner of these mineral rights. You just lease them out and you don't have any liability or obligations. So as long as those are producing oil, you're going to make money. And that's a big if, right? As long as they make money. If they make oil, you make money. And that's the challenge. And it sounds like Troy has some methods for finding those wells that, that do make money because, as he said, doesn't have any dry wells. That's a good sign. And he really, even after we got off the recording, he was talking about you really need to look out for people that are not being honest or Ponzi schemes in this oil and gas industry and everywhere else. And that this time of the market is a time when a lot of people are coming out with things that are too good to be true. So if it looks like it's too good to be true, then you might want to be cautious and really make sure that you're vetting the operator and getting references and doing all those things we talk about when we're trying to find sponsors. And at the end, he said a couple of things. One is do business with people that you like. And I think that's important because if you like somebody, you're going to be more apt to want to talk with them and learn about your investment and get additional information. And it just makes sense. It's not always the case that you can do business with people that you like, but it sure makes it a lot easier. And that's part of the thing that I love about left field investors. You know, all of the community, they're all, everyone's likable and it's really a great community. And so I definitely agree with the do business with people that you like. So it's interesting hearing Troy. He's definitely a guy who tells it like it is and tells you his opinion. And as he said, you're either going to love him or hate him. And uh, either way, it sounds like he could possibly make some money for you. But as he said, do business with people that you like. So you got to factor that in there. So it was an interesting podcast and and I will be uh, looking into it a little bit more. I'm uh, cautious on the oil and gas stuff. But if you want to be in oil and gas, this, this might be an opportunity for you. So that is all for this time. We'll see you next time in the left field.
Thanks for hanging out in left field with us today. If you're interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email, jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.